It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome back to the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. I like this bump back right here. Like, what you do for money, honey? Like, come on. This is the NFL draft. Like, these guys, by the way, I will never begrudge any young man who gets their opportunity here in the NFL. This is this is life-changing stuff that's happening right now. No, you put you put the work in. Oh, yeah. You You know, you do everything you're supposed to do. Like, yeah, there's some guys that kind of slip through that you're like, hmm. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> sure. you you maybe should have been vetted a little bit more. <laughs> sure. Uh, or or excuses should not be made because you're really good at throwing a ball, catching a ball, whatever. Uh, yeah. But for the most part, I I think these guys just work their tails off. And, oh, they do. And try to try to do the right things, and that doesn't mean that they're squeaky clean per se. Like, I mean, they're college kids. College kids do dumb things, uh, but. Yeah. But see, seeing them have an opportunity, and especially the ones that you know, like, this is life-changing. Like, this changes things for their family moving mm-hmm. forward. Um, though Those are the ones that I'm always especially happy for. Well, and that's the fun part about it, is you're, you're watching these young men live out a dream that, trust me, I had the dream growing up. I Growing up, my dream, Michelle, I had two things I wanted to do in my life. Like, two, like you would ask me, like, 10 years old. Jake, what do you want to do with your life? I wanted to be the Titan for the San Francisco 49ers, okay. or I wanted to be Tiger Woods playing on the PGA Tour. Those are those, those are the two things I had like wanted to do in my life. Let's see. For me, I wanted to either be an interior decorator okay. or an FBI agent, and oh. I am neither of those things. And nor am I, but <laughs> But in 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 the sports realm, it's fun to see these guys because they they literally have put in the time. They have put in thousands upon thousands mm-hmm. of hours, and they've invested their time, and it's it's paying off for them. That's the fun part about this. So we're living the dream. Uh, I I don't want to spend the entire show on the NFL draft. I do want to talk about the NBA playoffs here for a little bit. We talked about it a little bit last segment uh, with the Lakers just going out and absolutely crushing the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, L.A. Uh, sends uh, Memphis off off into the off season. Now, when it comes to the playoffs, Michelle. It's been a very interesting first round because we have seen upsets. We've seen um, really good series. Like for for example, I kind of adopted the Sacramento Kings as my team for the postseason because they hadn't made the playoffs in forever. They were they were kind of a fun brand of basketball, high scoring, the most efficient offense in the NBA this year. They're in an absolute dogfight 
with the Golden State Warriors. It's been a great series. But that's not the only fun thing that's happened in this. We've had so much going on. I don't know how much of you, you've ha- you've uh, digested of it, but what have kind of been your initial takeaways of the first round? Because it's getting close to wrapping up. I, I think it wraps up tomorrow with Golden State at Sacramento. It's the only first-round series still going. To be honest, I, I have not taken it. You checked it out? I, I <laughs> usually don't really start paying attention until we're down to the – there's just too many games. Sure. Um, oh, there is a lot of them. There's and no I, I feel like there's a lot of phony baloney – in order to stretch out the seven, I just I I I think it's a little fake myself. Okay. Um, but you know, I mean, the Dylan Brooks thing has been amusing. Oh, and that's <laughs> the thing about this is we've had because we've had the Draymond Green stomp, right? So yes, and he's a villain in his own right. There's been a lot of bad behavior. In well, this trust first me, round. we've seen. I think I have my count. Corey, you might be able to help me out with this. I've, I can count. I can remember four groin shots in the first round of, of, in different series. Is that is it four of them? Because we in one game we had Joel Embiid and James Harden for the Philadelphia 76ers go at uh, two different players' groins in the very same game. Then he had Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks. Then he had the stomp by Draymond. Yeah, there's a, there's been some uh, physicality in the playoffs that has drawn some attention. Yeah, it. it. Michelle's sitting here like, what is going on? But but that's the thing about this. This time of year, it's. These teams are fighting, clawing, scratching, doing whatever they can to climb to the top of the heap. Right. I would have never in a million years. For example, so Milwaukee, best record in the NBA, number one seed in the East. What happens? Jimmy Butler says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go take these guys out. And they upset. So eight seed upsets the number one seed. Sixth time in NBA history that the number one seed is out in the first round. But Jimmy Butler went like supernova and huh. just took him out almost single-handedly. I, I mean, in these cases, like, that is why you watch. Yeah. You you watch for the Cinderella story. I feel like it doesn't happen very often in the NBA, and obviously the number just proved my point. Yeah, six, six times, yes. Uh, but, I, I mean, that that's an exciting development. Yeah, cause so, for example, so we got Phoenix-Denver starting tonight. It's the West Semifinals, the second round. So we got KD uh, and Devin Booker, who, by the way, Devin Booker's been really, really, really good, going against Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray with the Denver Nuggets. To me, that's a series that almost feels overlooked in a way because of all the other hijinks going on. You've got two teams. Trust me, the firepower of both these teams make them contenders to win it all, mm-hmm. but it feels like... Miami at New York, the the I'm calling it the Jeff Van Gundy Memorial Series in a way. I don't know if you do you remember in the late '90s when the Alonzo Mourning led uh, Miami Heat were going up against the Patrick Ewing Knicks, and uh, they got I don't some this. Epic Jeff role. Van Gundy Jeff, swinging from Alonzo Mourning's leg. Yeah, so Jeff, Jeff <laughs> Michelle, you got to go Google this in the break. Jeff Van Gundy literally is clinging to the leg of Alonzo Mourning as this brawl is going on. Try not to get trampled on by these. Players, because Jeff Van Gundy, he's 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 a normal person. He ain't like he's not Mark Pope over there, who's six ten at BYU as a coach. Jeff Van Gundy's an every man's man. Like he's six foot maybe, and he gets he goes right out in the middle of this brawl. Michelle Alonzo Mourning, Patrick Ewing, Latrell Sprewell, I think was in that one. Who else was in it? Um, uh, back then, I would Allen Houston. Houston. I don't think Oakley was. I don't know if Oakley was still there. Regardless, like yeah. these are mountains of human yeah. beings. Throwing haymakers at one another, and here's Jeff Van Gundy clinging into Alonzo Mourning's <laughs> It's it, it's a throwback to 20 years. This is the this is the heyday for me going like having Miami take on New York. I'm just like, 
Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, and it's New York. Uh, mm-hmm. The NBA loves this. The NBA yes. is better if the Knicks are better. Did you see it, Michelle? I, <laughs> I, I just I, I looked up a picture. Okay. You know what? I You don't normally picture a guy in a suit oh, yeah. out in the middle of a court, yeah, <laughs> hanging off of some guy's leg. That's... There was okay. no love lost between those two teams in the 90s. Ooh, There's no. clearly not that kind of rivalry now because the Knicks haven't been relevant right. enough. The, no, you know, the Heat have nice, had some good teams, nice but yeah, <laughs> the Knicks have not been in their way for yeah. all the Heat success that's happened since those late, you know, mid to late 90s games. Um, but you, you talked about Phoenix and Denver getting overlooked. I mean, it's because you've got the Lakers waiting for who they're going to play. You've yeah. got New York now in the second round. Exactly. You know, you've got Philly and Boston. Two big media is, markets that have a lot of star this, power. This is the NBA's fever dream. Yeah, they're loving it. Because like, the Knicks haven't made the second round since 2013. It's been 10 years. Like You're right. The, 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 the New York Knicks of the 90s versus – it's two different things. This series, though, it could reignite that. Because Jimmy Butler has been he, – he is such a good player, but he also – he ain't afraid to mix it up. No. And that's the thing about this. Jalen Brunson on the other side with the New York Knicks – all he does, he doesn't talk a ton. His play, though, gets after people. And trust me, Utah Jazz fans, everybody who was a key piece of the Utah Jazz last year is now after the first round. Quinn Snyder with the Atlanta Hawks is done. Rudy Gobert with the Minnesota Vikings. Donovan Mitchell. Oh, what happened? Disappeared once That's again. That's the Salt Lake side note to these playoffs. Exactly. <laughs> Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are both watching Ouch. along with the Jazz right now. And the Jazz have all those picks and all those players they got from them. So, okay, and I guess I'll morph that. I actually want to build off what Corey just said there, Michelle. It, 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 if you're a Utah Jazz fan, in some small way, and I mean, man, I mean small way, maybe a big way, you got to be thinking, hmm, maybe we're in a better spot than we thought. Even Because a lot of people last year, we thought this was going to be a teardown of, of epic pro- pro- mm-hmm. proportions for the Jazz, but as Corey just mentioned, well, the Jazz are sitting at home, and now Donovan, Rudy, Quinn, they're all sitting home, yeah, too. You're right. Yeah, everybody that got traded away is also sitting at home. I mean, if you're more of the petty variety fan. <laughs> and there are many of those, yes. There are many of those. Uh, yeah, I, I would have to imagine that feels good. Like, it, it means that you didn't trade anyone away that – would have maybe made a huge difference for you in the here and now. So sure. Well, the other, the other thing about it is, is it has opened a new. Um, how do I say this right? It's opened a new door for the future for the Utah Jazz here. Because mm-hmm. as Corey mentioned, you traded all these guys away for a bevy of picks. Trust me, Minnesota. Like I, I I've got a buddy who is. I don't want to say a buddy, but is it an acquaintance of mine who's okay. a Minnesota fan? And trust me, Minnesota Timberwolves fans are hard to find. Like, honestly, I just haven't met him, but he is a Minnesota guy. And he was lamenting the fact, he's like, I cannot believe Danny Ainge went and fleeced the the Minnesota Timberwolves as hard as he did. Meanwhile, I'm over here as resident guy who grew up rooting for the Utah Jazz over here. Totally okay with it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because Danny Ainge and the moves he made, and that that includes the Rudy Gobert deal, it includes even the Royce O'Neal deal with the Brooklyn Nets as well, because they went out in the first round. The first round picks and the cap space that he opened up, it is going to give the Jazz every option under the sun. Now, PK has been talking about this all week on the podcast. Uh, Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck sat down with the media to talk about this. And if you listen to their words, it felt like they were trying to temper expectations in a way. But at the same time, and I I completely agree with this assessment from PK, 
it's been very interesting to see that the the Jazz are saying if there is an opportunity out there for us to push our chips in to cash in on a, a player, they're not they're they're not going to be afraid to do that. And that to me, that is the right mentality to have. Be cautious, but when that opportunity presents itself, you go all in on that. Yeah, no, I I think that's smart. You don't don't just jump at anybody. Uh, and I I think you know looking at Utah football that's yeah. that's a little bit of what they're doing I think right now with some of the open wide receiver spots that they have uh it's very much uh it don't 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 just jump on the first thing that comes along uh be be thoughtful be mindful really understand what it is you're looking for mm-hmm. and when you find it yeah for sure push all the chips in but don't do that because you feel like you have to do that. Well, and that that that's the thing about this is you're right. They they don't have to force the action here. They have the capability of okay, maybe this draft and David Locke said it this week on Jake and Ben, if I recall correctly, he his early projection of this draft, he thinks it's really thin. And there have been people that have been talking about this draft actually being quite deep. So I'm kind of one and I, I trust me. I've worked with David Locke a long time. I actually have an immense respect for his opinion on this. If he's saying that the draft is a thinner draft than than what some might because we all know Victor Wembanyama, Scoot Henderson, th- those guys are at the top of the draft. Mm-hmm. Great, those are franchise changers. But where the Jazz are picking the ninth spot currently, the sixteenth spot, and I think they're going to have the seventy sixers, which is twenty seven, if I if I'm not mistaken. Those are not the most advantageous spots to be in. But if draft night comes, and if Danny Ainge, Justin Zanuck, whoever the brain trust is, Ryan Smith probably also be involved, they feel like there is a guy on that board potentially sitting at five or whatever. Who's to say they don't package some deal together and say, call up whatever team and say, we need to get up to your as a spot. Mm-hmm. What will it take for us? Well, and it also comes down to your scouting ability yes. and your ability to find the guys because – there are going to be guys in the teens, in the 20s. I mean, hell, Jokic was a second-round pick. Giannis was picked in the teens. I mean, you've got the opportunity. Those are, you know, two of your three leading vote-getters for MVP this yeah. year. And it's because teams scouted them, found those guys. And I gr- granted, both of those guys are foreign players. Sure. So we don't really know the foreign market as well as we know the guys that are coming out of college or the guys that have been playing in the G League. Mm-hmm. But that's what... You know, Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck have to be able to do. There are going, there's going to be somebody when they're taking that Timberwolves pick in the mid teens that is going to be a star in the league. The question is, are they the ones that know who that is? Mm-hmm. And do they get him with that pick? Or does he fall to 18 or 19 or 22 or fall into the second round? I mean, there's going to be guys there that can be stud players for you. So it comes down to how well you evaluate that talent. Well, Jimmy Bell was the 30th pick. Yeah. yeah. People forget that. You they- can find that talent. Well, Nikola Jokic, 42nd, something like that? 40, yeah, somewhere. He was in the middle of the second round. Yeah. You can find the dudes. The one thing that gives me faith, and I'll let you respond to this, Michelle, is that Danny Ainge, his track record in Boston is no matter where he was picking. He went and got Jason Tatum with a number one overall pick. Other times he was drafting in the middle part of the draft, like the teens, kind of where the Jazz are projected right now in this year's draft. Even at the tail end, when he had had championship-level teams with the Celtics, Danny's track record is no matter where he's picking in the draft, he understands where he can get value. He knows, okay, this is where I'm picking. This is my list of players. And he normally is hit on most of those players. And that should give you faith as a Jazz fan that when it comes draft time, he's probably going to find the right guy. At least he more often than not hits, if that makes sense. 
Hey, he's a guy that understands what he's looking for. He's yeah. a guy that understands how to find under the radar talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, let's let's talk about in, in this state. Sometimes you kind of have to. Well, uh, yeah. Utah football again, great great example of finding guys that. And look, I mean, one of the top top picks in this draft was a guy that nobody knew about out of San Diego, you know, played high school basketball until his senior year walks. He didn't walk on. It's a non-scholarship league in the pioneer league with San Diego blows up, realizes he's a heck of a lot better than the level he's playing at. Utah realizes it. Freddie Whittingham to his credit. Cause we played a PK did a one-on-one with Freddie Whittingham at, at the tail end of spring ball. He said, when he came to beat Utah, I thought he was going to be an NFL player. Mm-hmm. Did I think he was a first round draft pick? No, but I thought he was NFL caliber, and lo and behold, it's proven out. And here we are, and yeah. it, it looks like Danny Ainge, you know, at the pro level in the NBA, has the same kind of talent, uh, finding guys that maybe aren't as highly valued, uh, but everybody will end up going, well, how did you know, or how did we miss this, or why, did it, why didn't we pick up on that? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, there are just some people, some places that just have a talent and a knack for that, and... And again, being in a smaller market like Utah as a whole, mm-hmm. that's a valuable thing to have. Well, and you're right. That point exactly is you have to – Utah's not going to be Miami Beach. It's never going to be New York City. It's not going to be L.A. You need to find the advantages where you can find them. The one thing I like is the just my perception of it. I don't have any inside knowledge of this. Is that Danny Ainge, Justin Zanuck, and especially Ryan Smith as the owner – they're all in on making Utah as attractive a destination as they possibly can make it. Whether that's going to be, yes, you go out and make a big trade to bring in somebody. Or if you, you hit in the draft, you keep that guy around. You make sure that they're, they're loved up and they're taking – they're going to make – this next generation of NBA players, they're going to make $1 billion in their playing careers if they bear it out. Like Victor Wimbenyama, I'll say it right now, 10 years from now, Big Vic could have $1 billion in career earnings. I wish I was a little bit taller. I, I wish, wish I was a, a baller. Bit. Yeah. It, yeah. Mm. That, but that's the thing. It's a <laughs> whole new generation here. And the, by the way, the best part is the Jazz have the same exact amount of money as what an L.A. has under the salary cap structure. Now, with the luxury tax and all that stuff, teams can do some machinations like we've seen Golden State do. They're still paying through the nose to keep that core together. But I just I feel like the Jazz are in a pretty advantageous spot right now. I'm just as I watch the NBA playoffs play out, I don't think it's going to be too long before the Jazz are back in the playoffs. The hope is that once they get back there, it's got a bigger, not bigger, a higher ceiling than what we saw with the previous, the Donovan Rudy Jazz. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, I, the fact that this team kind of exceeded expectations. Kind of? I, <laughs> they did. Well, I mean, they did, but then we kind of got really in love with the idea of them possibly going to the playoffs. Sure. And okay, they didn't make that. Yeah. Um, and they may have, may or may not have purposely purposely done that. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows for sure? Only the people in the room yeah. know for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I think I think that should give some hope that the bounce back will come sooner rather than later. We all were kind of expecting this to be a long drawn out process. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it necessarily is going to be just based off of the product that we saw on the court this past season. Sure. 
I, I agree with you on that. By the way, I just want to give a quick tip of the cap. Uh, it was fun to see Lowry Markkinen win Most Improved Player of the Year in the NBA. Yes, that was uh, awesome. That's a franchise first for the Jazz. They never had a player win that. They've had former Jazzmen have won it with other franchises. Fun to see that. And also Walker Kessler. Uh, outside of Paolo Bancaro, the Orlando Magic rookie who ran away with the Rookie of the Year award, the only other two first-place votes went to Walker Kessler. So Jazz... They've got some pieces. That's the fun part about this. They, they made all those moves, and we were all wondering, okay, who's going to emerge? Well, Lowry Markin, Walker Kessler, and it feels like Ochai Abaji is probably that number three guy. Like, th- that seemed like the, the start of the core here for the Jazz. You mentioned Lowry winning the mm-hmm. Most Improved Player Award. The list of guys that have won that award there's, okay, there's is really both, good. Well, there's good and some bad in there, but the good guys are very interesting. Greg. Well, let's just go over yeah. what's happened recently. Yeah. So, Laurie wins it this year. John Morant last year. Julius Randle the year before. Brandon Ingram the year before. Pascal Siakam. Victor Oladipo. Giannis. C.J. McCollum. Jimmy Butler. Goran Dragic. Paul George. And then... Some of the names don't sure. get as Ryan Anderson, Kevin Love, Aaron Brooks, Danny Granger, Hito Turkoglu, Monte Ellis. But, I mean, these are guys that, have, especially over the last decade, have been guys that are major, major contributors in the league. And so you would hope that Laurie follows that and he takes that next step and stays one of the top guys in the league. Well, and the thing about it is I, I, I was on that Zoom call they had with him uh, 2 a.m., by the way, in Helsinki. He jumped on a Zoom call with the local media to talk about winning Most Improved Player. C- credit to him for staying up that later, getting up that early, I suppose, uh, <laughs> while he's doing military training, regardless of whichever way he, he was handling it. But he, he talked about that. He's like, we got to go to the next level. He said, I- I'm, I'm happy with this award. I gl- I'm glad I have it in my back pocket, but there there's more to do. Yeah. And that's the right mentality to have. Oh. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what you want your star player to be saying mm-hmm. is I this is one step in a a, a series of steps Correct. we have to take in order to do the things that we want to do. All right. Uh, we will come back on the other side. We'll get to five minutes of talk about some of the other topics we have not had a chance to discuss yet. We do need to talk a little bit about RSL. They are in action tonight out at America First Field. That and more to come right here on the Saturday show. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Back to the Saturday show right here on the KSL Sports Zone. I love off-air conversations. Like they're just, that's always fun. That's the fun part about it. Jake and I just don't tan the way that I we know. used to. I know. That's what we were just discussing. <laughs> like it's been a long winter, and I love getting outside. And Mike, trust me, my my I, my two kids love them to death. They are outside kids to the core. Like doesn't matter. That's perfect. Rain, that's wind, sun, snow, shine. Doesn't matter. They will be outside. They lo- and as a as a guy like. 
I don't know. I, I've, I'm getting softer in my old age. <laughs> and I, I love being outside, but the weather this week has finally been like, okay, yeah, I'm totally cool going outside with y'all. Let's right, go. Let's yeah. go outside. So I don't know. One of those fun things. But welcome back. Uh, time for five minutes of, and I want to start it off. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on with RSL. Uh, Corey, I know that you have a vested interest because you have season tickets uh, to Real Salt Lake games. Uh, they are trending back up. And, Michelle, uh, Wednesday night they played in their first match of the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup, which is a during the MLS season they play this cup. It's for essentially the championship of the United States. Okay. Any soccer team, semi-pro or pro, can enter this. You can, in theory, make a run through the ranks. The, the MLS clubs come in in what they call the third round. Mm-hmm. You can go through the regional qualifying. If you wanted to put together a team of your friends – you, in theory, could go through the regional rounds and get into a place where you could play an MLS club on their, and have them come to your home field, potentially. That, that's the glory of what the U.S. Open Cup is. I'm just over here visualizing me trying to play soccer again. At, uh, sure. one, at one point in time, I would have been so into that. Yeah, but I'm just saying that yeah. that's what this is. that because, ship has sailed so, a bit. Yeah. Trust me, my, my dream of playing tight end for the San Francisco 49ers died. Uh, and, also sailed. Yeah, <laughs> died really quick, let's put it that way. But... Uh, the fun part was is RSL made a trip to Cashman Field in Las Vegas. Used to be the home of the Las Vegas 51s, their AAA ball club, their baseball club down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they built a new field over in Summerlin. They're now the Las Vegas Aviators. But the Las Vegas Lights, who play in the, uh, the USL, which is the, I don't know, it's, it's the AAA to the, to the bigs that is Major League Soccer, if that makes sense, here in mm-hmm. the United States. Well, so Real Salt Lake went to Las Vegas to take on the Las Vegas Lights in the third round of this game. 0-0 at the end of 90 minutes. But in the extra time, RSL bags three goals and runs away with a 3-1 win. It was crazy, okay. crazy stuff. Yeah, that that's like unheard of. If if you're dealing with goose eggs before extra time, like and that there shouldn't be that much hope that it's going to be I mean a pretty big score for soccer. Yeah, it was not well, here's the thing. And Corey, I'll, I'll let you I want you to get get your thought on this. It wasn't as if they didn't have their chances in the first 90 minutes there. It's just that Las Vegas and these lower division clubs, mm-hmm. they're they know that they're battling. This is their like in way, uh, wait, they're one shot at glory. Yeah. They're right. playing a top-tier side. It's on their home field and they're going to play with everything they've got. And they handed everything that RSL could handle. Because trust me, Las Vegas had a couple of chances in that 90 minutes in a way that they, they could have stolen a win. Because last year, uh, Real Salt Lake played the Northern Colorado Hellstorm. You know how many professional matches the Northern Colorado Hellstorm had played before they showed up at, at what was then Rio Tinto Stadium, now America First Field? None. Three. Oh, okay. They beat RSL one nothing. Knocked RSL out of the U.S. Open Cup. So it's crazy. But, Corey, what were your takeaways? Well, I don't have a ton of takeaways from Wednesday night because – so let's put it this way. Uh, I'm an RSL season ticket holder, so I'm really invested on what they do for their MLS season and their MLS schedule. Wednesday night, my daughter had a soccer game, and Marcelo Silva, who is the captain when Demir Krylock is out – his daughter is on my daughter's soccer team. Oh. So he was out there watching his daughter play soccer Good while RSL was in Vegas playing this game. So if it shows you how much they have invest- they play a lot of different guys. Correct. Some of the guys are first teamers, but a lot of the guys are guys that don't get as much playing time. They if do, RSL yeah. wanted to play their full starting lineup, send everybody down to Vegas, you would like to think that they go in there and win that, you know, like five to nothing. So I don't put a whole lot of stock into it when one of the guys who's the captain is sitting right next to me watching an eight-year-old girl's soccer game while it's happening. 
What I'll go back to, though, is when they played San Jose on Saturday. Last Saturday, correct. And we talked uh, last Saturday about this, Jake, that this team was really struggling to score. You Mm -hmm. know, we know that in their first five games, they only had, I think, three goals. And then now they've scored seven goals in their last three games. And it's not just scoring the goals. All three of their goals against San Jose were world-class goals. I mean, they weren't just like a ball happens to come across the middle and a guy just redirects it in. I mean, world-class, really exciting, highlight-type goals. And that's exciting to me because two of their last three games, both of them at home, they've won three to one. They've scored seven goals in their last three games. They've got to learn to get the ball in the back of the net. Hopefully that trend is starting to turn around because it was fun out there last Saturday night. Well, that's the thing about it. You're right. They they take on Seattle tonight. uh, And uh, DJ pointed this out, and I didn't realize I had to go back and look it up. Uh, Seattle struggles when they come to Salt Lake, when they come to Sandy to play at America First Field. They have not won a match outright in Sandy since I think it was 2013. It, it's, it, I think it, it, and they've gotten some draws in there, like they've had the ties and everything, but they have never won outright at Real Salt Lake in years. Hmm. So it'll be interesting because you're right. We had Pablo Mastroeni on with DJ and PK yesterday, and he came on and PK said, I'm going to ask you an unanswerable question. And he asked him, okay, you guys scored three times as you started out of the gate super, super slow. Really, And he was like, you're starting bagging goals in bunches. You mentioned seven goals in their last few matches. And Pablo said, yeah, that is pretty unanswerable. Like said, <laughs> all, but all, all, and, he, he, and Pablo was such a great interview. He gave a more elaborate answer. But essentially what he said is that these guys are putting in the same amount of work. Sometimes, in a way, there is some luck involved here. I'm still not convinced that RSL is a complete club. They need an out-and-out striker. They sent Justin Miram to Charlotte FC this week. Uh, he was looking for more playing time. Uh, they were supposed to get Andre Shinyashiki back in the deal. There is some kind of hijinks going on with a Major League Soccer investigation into some issue going on with him. So the deal still went through, but they're not getting the player back that they originally were going to make the trade for. They got allocation money, which is going to help them go out in theory and go sign somebody this summer. But I don't know. It's fun to be tracking this club in a way because there is so many moving parts to it. But I'm with you, Corey. Hopefully the last little run of success, it's gonna it's it's more representative of what RSL is versus what the start of the season was being the actual, if that makes sense. Yeah, and this is a team that shut them out earlier this season. They lost two to nothing to Seattle earlier in the season already. So this Field, is a yeah. great litmus test for them to go out tonight and see, okay, are the last three games and granted they lost two to one at Dallas, but I felt like they were the better team for about seventy of the ninety minutes in that Dallas mm-hmm. game. They lost two to one because they couldn't finish. But I feel like the last three games, they've been the better team. They've scored seven goals in those three games. What do they do tonight against Seattle, who shut them out the last time they played? I I mean, I just I know that fans were big mad uh, over what this team was looking like. So uh-huh. it's good to hear that may, maybe they've had an aha moment. We'll see. And, and are pos- possibly trending in the right direction. Well, that is that is the hope. There's no doubt about that. And we'll, we'll see what happens. Um I, a couple other topics I want to hit on here. Um, while you were sleeping in a way, or if you haven't been paying attention, Tony Finau, you know, local guy, he happens to be leading a PJ Tour event right now. I don't know. Okay, Tony Finau. He's down at the Mexico Open. He actually finished second last year in this event. It's at uh, the Vedanta Vallarta course. Uh, if you've heard of the Vedanta Resorts, I think they did some advertising with the Utah Jazz in the past. <laughs> this is like their course. It's on their property. Uh, 
Tony played really well in it last year, like I said. Finished second to John Rahm, who won the tournament last year. But Tony right now, he's already one under through three right now. He's in first place. He's two strokes clear. Brandon Wu uh, at the top of the field at minus 14. Tony's playing really, really well. It'd be good to see him uh, kind of jumpstart a season this year that it's been okay. He's had a, a good run. Actually, the funny thing is, I think it was last week's event was his lowest finish of the season. It was in the 20s is what he finished. I think tied for 27th. But it would, good to see, it would be good to see him to jump start a season, hopefully, with a win in this tournament. We'll see if he's able to hold on. Sunday's been a little bit of a interesting <laughs> ride with Tony in, in previous tournaments when he's had the lead. But he had the back-to-back wins last year at the 3M Open as well as the what was it, the Rocket City Classic up there in Detroit. He won those back-to-back weekends, and everybody thought, okay, the floodgates are finally opening for Tony Fee now. I'd like to see him finish this tournament as well. and just We're starting to see Tony really round into, okay, this is a guy he can play. I, I mean – that's exciting because his name has been floated around, you know, for a while. And as you mentioned, he's had his moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it would be nice to see him, like, round into that period of his career where it's, like, consistency. He's winning, yeah. He's winning consistently. Because um, we just – we love all the fun local headlines here. <laughs> we do. And that's the thing about this. We, we, we love our local guys showing out. And, by the way, the other thing about this is is – it's fun to see him. Cause did you watch the full swing series on Netflix about the PGA Tour? Uh-uh. They kind of Corey. Did you watch that? Oh, you, it's on my. It's in my you, queue, but you, I haven't seen it yet. You guys are missing out. Yeah, it, uh, trust me. I I checked it out because I remember they launched it. They did the one with the F one, and they've done one with tennis and whatnot. Where they, they, it's behind the scenes. Of, oh, they go. Okay. They have they have unfiltered access to these athletes in F one. They've made F one like this. They've helped make F one. A, a thing, thing yeah. because I have of theirs. A friend that loves it. The, it's like Need for Speed or whatever they call that one. They also have one for tennis that has not taken off necessarily as much, but it's it, this full swing they did for the PJ Tour. They tracked these guys throughout the entirety of last season, and they had the Tony Finau one where he, when he won the back to back, he won the 3M Open as well as the Rocket City Mortgage Classic in back to back weekends, and they showed the community, his his family, his extended family and friends that showed up to the Provo Airport when he flew back. After winning the second tournament, I think it was the 3M is the, one, the second one, and they were just ecstatic. But you, you're right, Michelle. We love nothing more than a good local story. People mm-hmm. making good. Tony Finau, people don't realize, he comes from Rose Park. He comes from a place that you're not supposed to, I, I, this sounds bad, you're not supposed to do what he's doing from where he came from. No, it's right. a country club sport, and all these guys that have grown up on country clubs yeah. with all the private, I mean, Tony Finau's hitting balls off of a mattress in his garage. I mean, it's, it's a completely yeah. different uh, feel up. for yeah. how he came up. Yeah. It's just, it, it, it's so fun for, I, I, it's easy to root for him. That's the thing. Oh, 1000%. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping because I, I don't feel like his, what he's doing down in Mexico. I know it's the Mexico open. It doesn't have the biggest purse. Hey, John Rahm's playing. John Rahm is <laughs> Masters champion. John yeah. Rahm's playing in it. And he's, and if you go out and win that tournament, that means you beat John Rahm. No way. Tom, John Rahm's making a run right now. He is four under on the day. He's moved up to a tie for 30 to 11 under. Jeez. He is flying up the board right now. But that's the thing about this. It'd be huge to see him, for Tony, put another win under his belt. Well, and and just everybody loves him here. Oh, yeah. And part of it's he's he's quite invested in what goes on here. I know Correct. he's been to Utah games. I think he's been down to BYU stuff. He shows up to a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and again, we, we just love that intermingling with our sports here. Well, and the reason I referenced the full swing thing is they did an entire episode on him. And in it, he talked about the fact, he said, there have been, there have been people out there who said, he's got five kids. Like, 
him and his wife, Lena, they're, they're great parents. Trust me. They're as invested in their kids as he is. He's like, people have told me that I can't be a successful dad and like be a, a true dad and also win on the PGA Tour. I want to flip that on its head. I want to prove I can do that. And he's doing it. So that's why it's just, it was cool to see his perspective on he's this elite golfer. He's a top 10 in the world golfer. It's just, it's crazy that he comes from Rose Park. <laughs> Right. He, he called it, him and his brother. They called it. They called it the Rose Park Country Club. And anybody can go play Rose Park. Trust me. If you haven't played Rose Park, I'd encourage you to give it a shot. It's just. It's worth playing. It's this one of those city courses that Salt Lake, uh, Salt Lake City runs. Mm-hmm. It's a fun little track. But that's where they learn to play. And this guy is now playing on the most expensive courses in the world and making millions of dollars. It's fun. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we love the the feel good story. Yeah. So, all right, we'll, we'll be rooting for Tony. Uh, like I said, he, he's currently at 14 under. He is through three uh, in his third-round action. He came out of the gate shooting 65 and 64. That's flying out of the gate. But uh, hopefully he can hold that lead. And like I said, John Rahm making a run, and he, he did really well at this tournament last year too, obviously winning it. All right, we'll come back. We'll get some final thoughts, uh, wrap up this edition of the Saturday show. It's flown by, really, Michelle. I know it has. It's, it's 11.45 <laughs> already. Anyways, but we'll come back. This is the Saturday show on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the KSL Sports Zone. It has been a really fun show. Uh, NFL draft ongoing. Uh, we have seen, let's see, we had four locals taken while we've been on air, Michelle. Uh, three Utes and a Cougar, right? No, two Utes and a Cougar. Oh, you, no, you're right. Braden, I'm counting, uh, I'm already counting Dalton Mumon. Kincaid. Oh, Dalton Kincaid. Yeah, got, right. it, got it, got it. Yeah, anyways, yeah. So it's been fun to track that, obviously. But uh, as we move forward here, so... We are now in round five. I, this is kind of the territory where a lot of people thought a guy like Jaron Hall is, is probably going to land. Uh, Aiden O'Connell from Purdue was just drafted by the Las Vegas Raiders, and that's, to me, a little bit of a, of a surprise because I never even saw Aiden O'Connell anywhere near the top ten of any quarterback list that I was reading in the lead-up to it. But, hey, welcome to the draft. Teams feel like they're, they've got like this quote-unquote diamond in the rough. It only just, takes one team. I know. That's, it does. It does. does. Trust me, my team took a kicker in the third round. I, Jake Moody's really good. Trust me, he was really good at Michigan. But as a 49ers fan, I'm like, you had, you know, multiple offensive tackles sitting there. You need to right tackle, and you go and take a kicker? Well, well since you guys are going to play a seventh-round flash-in-the-pan quarterback, you're going to be kicking a lot of field he goals. He is the so. next great quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> we're, no, we're, here's the thing. They've been talking about trading Trey Lance. Like, don't you dare. Do not. You can't. You can't. You need the insurance policy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I <laughs> remember last year you went through all of them. <laughs> oh, don't remind me. Oh, I still have flashbacks to watching. Who was it? Who was the quarterback they brought in after? Uh, so it was that. Um, it was a. He's a guy who played for like twenty years in the in the NFL. What's his name? He brought came in after the injury to Brock Purdy. I can't remember his name even. It was oh that, yeah. Was that unremarkable? Yeah. And they're like, well, we'll see what. They, nope. This I don't even remember who they, who came in. Yeah, because I, I remember, remember it, being like, well, yeah. this Josh game's over. Jackson. I don't know. Anyways, it, it was desperation hour for sure. I was at that point. I'm like, you know what? They have was, Kyle Shanahan worked every bit of magic he had to keep that roster doing what it's what it was doing. 
I don't know. It'll be interesting. But so getting back to the point, I think Jaron Hall's kind of in this territory where he goes now. Uh, Puka Nakua is still out there. I think he's probably a sixth or seventh rounder. Uh, Muhammad Muhammad Diabate. Mumad. Is it Mumad? It is Mumad. Mumad Diabate. When did we learn this? For forever ago. I I would only call him Mo until I was like for sure, for sure. But it's Mumad. Mumad. Wow, I wish I would have known that earlier. I, I, that's my bad on that. I mean, <laughs> so Mo Diabate, this is kind of territory where we, I think sixth, seventh round is where he goes. Mm-hmm. And if you want one, like I, I'm calling him a, a dark horse for like a local guy to get drafted, it's uh, Caleb Hayes out of BYU. Had a phenomenal pro day. Like jump, run, everything. Like It was like yeah. those are all NFL numbers. I could see a team late in the seventh round – Mr. Irrelevant type territory. We're talking like the final 10 picks, taking a, a flyer. Uh, yeah. What, what the hell? Exactly. <laughs> let's, give, let's give it a go. Let's see what happens. Another interesting nugget, Stetson yeah. Bennett. Oh, yes. Two-time national champion quarterback. He, he got picked in the fourth round by the St. Louis, or not St. Louis. Wow, look at me. Wow. The L.A. Rams. The St. Rams Louis. took Stetson Bennett? From? Yeah. Stetson oh, Bennett went the 26th pick of the fourth round to the L.A. Rams. Oh. Uh, the thing on the Setson Bennett thing is people were like, there's no chance he makes the NFL. And all of a sudden, like, he goes out in these pre-draft workouts, the pro day and whatnot, and everybody's like, oh, he actually, he, you know what? He, he's okay. It's like, I, he won here, two national championships. Here's what drives me crazy about that conversation. So you have a guy like Bryce Young that goes number one overall. Sure. yeah. I just barely learned how short Bryce Young is. 5'10 and change. 5'10 and change. Which is fine. Like, I say throw the numbers out. Like, I hate the numbers. The na- the numbers drive me crazy that the NFL so married to those. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, the narrative with Stetson Bennett, the enti- his entire college career, he's, how short he is. He's too small. He's, he's too small. He's mm-hmm. too short. Ugh. He's actually taller than Bryce Young. <laughs> and, by the way, he's quite an athlete. And he has two rings. <laughs> yeah, I, which Bryce Young does not. <laughs> so I just I think it's so funny that they're not considered at least equals. But yeah. okay. And here's the thing: I have nothing against Bryce Young. I like Bryce Young. He sure. seems like a nice guy. But it's just really funny the narrative surrounding these two, and they're more similar than they are different. It, you're right. It, it's just. <laughs> oh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson just off the board. I just saw that. Uh, he round five, Dorian Thompson-Robinson to the Cleveland Browns. Interesting. DTR. So this is there's run on quarterbacks here. I would keep your eyes out. If you're watching the draft uh, with this run right now, that means Jaron Hall's name could be coming up pretty quick. We'll see. I, by the way, this is my personal thought. There's two teams, one of which I can't stand because they're my arch rival, Seattle Seahawks. I think it would do well to get Jaron Hall. I also think if the Indianapolis Colts want to kind of follow the Washington Commanders model they had a few years ago, if you remember, RG3 was taken in the first round. Why would anybody want to follow the Commanders model? But but, but I'm just saying. (laughs) It's football, Jake. Do you remember when they took RG3 and they took uh, Kirk Kirk Cousins Cousins in the same draft? Yep. Like to essentially be the the foil for one another. If the boomer bust potential with Anthony Richardson and you want a guy who can kind of come and be the foil, Jaron Hall to Indianapolis is not out of the realm of possibility in my mind, but. Because he's been connected with Indianapolis. Shane Steichen, there was multiple reports out there that they met with him. They came out to Provo and worked out Jaron Hall. So, I, I don't hate that thought. Actually, I don't really hate either either thought. I hate it, the thought because it, it's the Well, I, I, get, yeah, I get from the petty fan standpoint. But as far as like a fit yeah. and a good place for him to be, I, I think either of those actually work they, quite well. Yeah, they'd fit his skill set. All right. 
Any final thoughts from you, Michelle? I think we just about wrapped wrap this up. All right. Well, uh, we will just do just that. Uh, keep it locked right here on the KSL Sports Zone throughout the week. We'll have full breakdown of how the draft progresses on Monday. DJ and PK, Jake and Ben, Hans and Scotty, as well as Unrivaled will have that. And we will be back next Saturday. For Michelle and Corey, I'm Jake. Have a great rest of your day. This has been the Saturday Show on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.